Luke chapter 13, I want to continue in this series, Winning Within. And look at this verse here in verse 6. It says, he also spoke this parable. Actually, I want to read this out of the, the New Living translation. Do we have that up there? I believe we do. And Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. How many of us have had those moments where you've put something in place, you expect production, you expect fruit, you expect to see something from it, but continually it's not producing what you are expecting. He was always disappointed. Verse 7, finally he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. Verse 8, the gardener answered. So, so far we see that there is a master, there's an owner, and now we see that there is a gardener, or what we would call a manager. Sir, give it one more chance, he says. One more chance. Look at your neighbor and say, one more chance. Come on, look at him. One more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. Today I want to talk to you. We've been talking about winning within and I want us to recognize, want us to recognize that many times the battles that we see on the outside are indication of a war that's taking place on the inside. A battle that is taking place on the outside is many times an indication of a war that is taking place on the inside. We're talking about winning within. We're talking about the fact that many times... We receive what Jesus did for us externally, but yet we still lose battles and we are still struggling with things on the inside. And we want to make sure that we're not just going through life just trying to put on this cover or put on this front, if you will, on the outside while we are dying on the inside. I made a comment a few weeks ago and uh, had a lot of response from it from different people. I said, it's it's dangerous for us to highlight our Bibles more than we practice them. It's dangerous for us to have full notebooks, but still leading empty lives. What am I talking about? I'm talking about what Jesus came to do was not just to give you this front and this cover or even this expectation of one day win. But that there is a victory and there is a uh, uh, overcoming that God wants us to experience daily, every day. And we know that there will be struggles. We know that there will be trials. But a trial always has an outcome. You can win or you can lose. A fight always has an outcome. You can be victorious or you can become a slave. And so what is it in our lives that we're battling and are we winning or are we losing? Can we confidently say that we are victorious in every area of our life or are there battles that are still that we are losing? We see here that the master is the owner. The master is the owner and owners have an invested interest in what they plant 
or what they put into something. This master is an investor. Nobody, hopefully, nobody invests without coming back and checking up on it. The owner is coming back and checking on this tree and checking to see if it is producing that which he planted. And so a master, and in this parable, God is the owner. God is the master, and he has planted something. But what God plants, he expects to produce. Now, I want to get this across, that God never asks for production for what he has not planted. God never demands what he has not deposited. Are you hearing me today? Sometimes we get so discouraged with what our life is producing because we are busy producing what God never planted. We are busy trying to live someone else's life. And we're busy measuring and comparing ourselves to someone else. And God is saying, yeah, but I didn't put that in you. I put an apple seed in the ground and you're concerned why your, orange, why your apples don't look like oranges. Come on. We measure up rather than measuring to our investment. We measure by comparison. We measure by what God never intended for us to produce. And so we've got to recognize that when the master plants, he expects it to produce. But he expects it to produce what he planted. And that's the only thing he will be happy with. That's the only thing that he is expecting to come out of the ground is what the, see, the DNA of the seed is also the DNA of the tree. You don't change the DNA along the way. So what God planted in you is what he's expecting for you to produce. The master knows what is planted. But when he's expecting something to produce based upon what is planted, if it's not producing, he's basically saying this. If it doesn't grow, it's got to go. If it doesn't grow, it's got to go. Now, I know this sounds like a harsh statement. In fact, the, the passage that we just read, uh, I believe there in, um, I believe it was verse 8 that we just read. No, verse 7. He says to cut it down. If we put verse 7 back up there, he says to cut it down. It hasn't produced one single fig. Watch this. It's just taking up space. It's just taking up space. Now, I know that sounds harsh. Well, God doesn't really value me. He just wants what I have to give. I'm just here taking up space. Let me tell you what that really means. That actually declares how much he values you. Here's the thing. God doesn't just value you, but he values what he has placed you in. Not just what he's placed in you. We all like to think about the value or the gifts or the talents or the abilities that God has placed within us. And yes, those are valuable. But here's an even bigger question. What ground are you planted in? What environment has he placed you in? 
when he says it's just taking up space in the garden, that also reveals that he places value not just on your assignment and not just on your call, but those that will be affected by your assignment and by your call. Are you hearing me today? The question I have is, are we taking ground or taking up space? Are we advancing and progressing and producing and growing? Or are we just sitting idly by expecting God, the master, to come and do everything in our lives? And in the meantime, we're just taking up space. You're just taking up space in that job because you are all you're concerned is with how people treat you. And you don't recognize that God planted you in that job, in that environment, in that home, in that family, in that marriage. We complain about the ground and we complain about the environment and God is saying, I'm the one that puts you there. And God doesn't just have value for the tree. He also has value for the ground that the tree is planted in. He says it's just taking up ground. It's, it's, just, it's just taking up space. We are not here on this planet to take up space. We are not here. We have not been given such a great resource. And Jesus did not come and go through such a horrible persecution and a horrible torment and eventually killed and, and, and do what he did so that we could just take up space in the gardens that God has placed us in. We have to produce. There is an expectation of production. There is an anticipation When God places us in environments, there is an anticipation of not just what we will do, but what will happen around us as a result of us being placed in those environments. So rather than complaining about the family and complaining about the marriage and complaining about the job, why don't we start asking, God, you've placed me here in this season, in this moment for such a time as this. What is it that I need to be producing so that I can be influencing? Because I'm going to tell you right now. There are some trees just like this one that only take from their environment rather than give back to it. Are you taking from an environment that God has called you to give something to? Are you taking from your marriage what God has said, I need you to pour that into them? Are you taking from your relationships uh, what you ought to be pouring into them? Are you leeching and sucking people dry when God has said, I've placed the word inside of you that you can speak life into situations. And rather than always demanding that people meet your needs, you can start meeting the needs of those around you. We can take ground or we can take space. We can progress. We can advance. Because see, here's the thing. If it's not growing, it's dying. If it's not growing, it's dying. Nothing just remains stale. Nothing just remains uh, uh, in, in one state. You don't ever reach a state and say, okay, I'm done. I cut off. This is as far as I want to go. No, you're either growing, progressing, or you're dying, digressing, going backwards. And when you start digressing, when you start going backwards, you start taking from the very environment God called you to pour into. 
So this master has an expectation and God always has an expectation and God does not ask for what he has not planted. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21 in the new living, it says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin, that we could be made right with God through Christ. The new King James says that we would be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. God is not demanding righteousness from your life if he has not planted his righteousness in you. When he's making a demand on us to live righteously, to live in right standing with his word, right standing with his authority, right standing, then he's not, he's not telling you to do something that you do not have the capacity to do. He won't do it. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, again in the New Living says, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. I'm telling you today, God would not ask us to do something we were not capable of doing. He would not demand holiness of us if we did not have the capacity to live holy. He does not demand what he has not deposited. If he's asking for production, he took time to plant the seed in you. Amen. It says here that he gave the tree three years to produce. I'm telling you right now, God is a patient master. Very patient. Very patient. Uh, in act, in, in, in uh, actuality, Jesus here is using this parable to refer to the nation of Israel. And although he had been in the planet for a little over three years at this point, Jesus did not see the results that he expected to see from him showing up in the planet. He's looking at Israel. He's talking about the nation of Israel and they're still religious and they're still stuck in their own ways. And they haven't received him as the coming king uh, that he is. They've completely missed the point of his ministry and his message. And now he's looking out upon the nation of Israel and he's saying, I'm ready to cut them out. I'm ready to pull them out of the ground. But he's patient. Three years. I'm telling you, it's not an overnight deal. It doesn't happen overnight. We don't produce a harvest overnight. And, and many times, let me tell you why it takes that long. is because you've been working for 10, 20, 30 plus years on your old habits. And we expect to come into church. We expect to open our Bible one time. We expect to finally start doing things according to what the word says. And we expect things to change overnight. God's not going to change overnight what you've been working so long to, to develop. We wonder why those addictions don't just go away. And we wonder why the thoughts in the You have to put the, you worked hard to get as bad as you were. Hello? You worked on that. You invested in that. 
That doesn't take away the saving power of God. That doesn't take away. I've seen people delivered from addictions in an instant. I've seen people, that was the last drink they had. That was the last cigarette they had. That was the last time they looked at that stuff on the computer. That was the last time, that was the last time they responded. But that's the delivering power of God. He can set you free. Only he can come in. Only by his grace and only by his power can we change. But we also many times get discouraged because we don't see the results fast enough. And he's saying, no, 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 I've already given it three years. And now the gardener responds and he says, give it another year. Give it another year. Let it alone another year. So now we move on to the gardener. We move on to the gardener and the gardener is the manager. The owner in this instance can almost seem like he's showing up and finding problems. You ever seen those people that they just walk around and all they do is they just point out everything that's wrong, everything that's messed up. They don't have any answers. They don't have any solutions for it, but they can point out every little thing that's out of place. They can remember dates, times, the actual events. They can explain it in great detail. They can over-exaggerate it to the moon of how bad it really is. And it's everything's falling apart all the time and everyone is complaining about it, everything. But the master's not coming here with this idea to just point out everything that's wrong. Because he already has employed someone that has the responsibility to make sure it does what it's supposed to do. God is the owner, but you're the manager. God is the owner. The Bible tells us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But it also tells us in Psalms 115, verse 16, that the earth he has given to the sons of men, to you and I. We see this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. He spends uh, five days creating this planet, creating the earth, creating everything that we see. But then on the sixth day, he creates you and I, not to just merely be another element of creation, but to rule over the elements of creation. He says, now to you, I will give authority in the earth you will you have been created in my image you have been created in my likeness now you have authority over the fish of the sea the birds you have been given that word authority that word dominion means to rule it means to manage it means to govern so when god plants something in our lives or when god plants you we are the ones that have the responsibility to manage and take care of and to govern that which he has placed in our control. And many times we are going back to the owner about stuff that he's given, the, given us the authority over. He said in Matthew chapter 16, he said, And to you, I, you will be my church. I will, upon this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yeah, great. And to you, I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose. Whatever you, whatever you, whatever you, you have the responsibility. We are to manage that which God owns. That means I don't get to decide what gets planted. I don't get to decide what comes out, but I am in charge of making sure that what is planted comes back out. 
We have a responsibility. We have too many irresponsible Christians and we're praying and we're believing and we're crying out and we're putting all the responsibility back on God. And he's saying, no, 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 no. You bind and I will bind. You loose and I will loose. You have dominion in that, in that environment, in that control. You have the control to govern that which I've placed you in. And we need to start speaking to more problems than we do complaining about them. But I'll also say this. We need to start speaking to more problems than we do praying about them. Are you telling me not to pray? No, I'm not telling you not to pray. I'm just telling you what to pray. Because Jesus didn't pray for sick people. He just spoke to sickness. Jesus didn't pray about demon-possessed people. He didn't even pray. I mean, he's standing in front of a grave with a dead man on the other side, been dead four days. He tarried and waited. In essence, let Lazarus die to show the glory of God. And then he prays. And you know what we're all thinking. Oh, he's going to, oh, God, please bring Lazarus back. Please show your, your mighty hand. Your mind. It's not what he says. He says, God, I'm getting ready to perform the miracle you brought me here for. I just pray that everyone that sees will believe. Because I'm getting ready to talk to this thing. I'm getting ready to call it out. I'm not praying to you about it. I already know what you want to do. I already know what you can do. I'm just praying that everybody that's watching on the side of this mountain right now will believe in you as a result of seeing this man come through that and then he says, what, Lazarus, come forth. You've got to start talking to dead things. You've got to start calling them out. You've got to start taking control and dominion and authority and ultimately responsibility for what God has placed in your control. We are losing battles within because we've become irresponsible. We are losing and struggling on the inside because we have decided that God is in charge of the harvest in my life. And, we're, and, and God is saying, no, 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 I have given you the ability to manage what I've planted. It's up to you. Ball's in your court. This gardener, notice that he doesn't list a bunch of excuses. He doesn't complain to the master. He doesn't say, well, yeah, I mean, you, just, you, you don't understand. I mean, it's, just, it's been horrible weather and, and, and the ground, you know, there's just, it's just not working out. I mean, you know, you just haven't given me enough time. I mean, come, come back next year, God, without a solution. Without a solution. You know what grows if you leave something alone? If you leave a garden alone, what grows? Weeds. Stuff will grow, just not what you want. If you want to get what you intend, you have to be intentional. We think if we just leave it alone, he does not deny that there's a problem. In fact, he deals with, you can deny the problem or you can deal with the problem. The choice is yours. We walk around denying uh, stuff that's in our life. And we walk around burying stuff further. And, 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 and God is not asking us to bury the problem further. He's asking us to dig it up. Dig it up. The man's reply, the gardener's reply, is he says uh, here in verse 8, 
Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. Responsibility. This is my responsibility in this mess. I've got to, but what does he say? I've got to dig. I've got to be willing to get my hands dirty. I've got to be willing to go. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The problem on the outside is always an indication of a problem on the inside. We have an issue with what? Figs, fruit, outside. But where does the gardener go? Inside, where nobody sees. The stuff that we, that, that we can bury and hide. And look, uh, we've said this before. God is not merely interested in behavior modification. He is interested in what are you going to do at the root to make sure I get my fruit. Most of us aren't willing to dig. We're not willing to get down in the soil. And then fertilize it. You know what that is. One, one translation calls it manure. The King James, I believe, the gardener responds and says, I will dung it. I will dig it and I will dung it. What's that mean? That God's using all the stuff that you don't want to get the harvest that he wants. All the junk think we're too dignified in here for some of the words that are rolling around in my brain right now. So I'll let you come up with your own word. I'll let you come up with your own junk, trash, mess. Whatever word you want to come up with, God wants to use it to produce a harvest. So we keep we keep resisting it. Oh, don't don't bring that fertilizer in here. Don't don't bring don't bring that failure in here. Don't bring that pain in here. Don't bring that struggle in here. Don't don't let people talk bad about me. Don't let people hate on me. Don't 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 let me be in lack. Don't don't let me have to struggle to get to something. We want this. We want this. Could it be that the people that rejected you are just creating greatness within you? Could it be that the struggle and the pain that you're going through is what is helping you understand that my God God is for me, not against me. That no matter what comes against me, I serve a God that is greater than... Could it be that the mess that keeps showing up in your life is the very thing that's producing the harvest that God is trying to get out of your life? But we don't want to dig. And we don't want to fertilize. And we, don't, we, we resist all the junk and we resist all the trash and we resist all the people that talk bad about us and cut us down and, and hate on us. Right? Everybody today's got haters. Which I'll just be honest, most of the people that you call haters are only identifying the stuff that you don't have right in your life. But we've built a culture where we can't ever be be told that we're wrong. We can't ever be told that we haven't arrived. We can't ever be told. So where the problem is seen is not where the problem started. If you want to change what shows on the outside, you've got to work on what grows on the inside. Winning within. Winning within. We can't just 
dress it up. The gardener's answer here is not just to dress up. Why? Because the master is going to come back in a year. And some of us are good at changing stuff quickly. But what happens when the master comes back next year? Did you instate the things? See, this is a long term. God isn't looking for quick results. He's looking for long-term results. He's not looking to just get it right right now. He's looking for what will keep you from loving your neighbor as yourself next year. You can get... You can think that you can, I'll, I'll walk in love, I'll, I'll treat them nice, I'll, I'll, I'll serve them, I'll give. But have you instated the stuff, have you corrected the issues under the surface that nobody sees? Have you taken care of the stuff that is in obscurity that will produce all the stuff that we'll see, that people will see on the outside? Because you don't change what's on the outside without working what's on the inside. He says, I'll dig around it. See, and, 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 you know, if it were me, because I'm not a gardener, I don't have a green thumb at all, I would have just uprooted it and put it somewhere else. Must be the, must be the soil, must be the ground. The, the Bible tells us uh, uh, in the uh, New King James, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. The version we just read said garden. You don't have a vineyard or a garden because you have one tree. Right? It's a vineyard because there's multiple trees. It's a farm because there's multiple crops. Not to, you don't have just one stalk of corn. I've got a, got a corn field. Look at that. Let's go on a corn, corn maze around that stalk of corn right there. Just go in circles right around the same stalk. All the time. No, it's a corn field because there's multiple. He's picking on one of them. How many times do we blame our environment for our harvest? How many times do we blame what we're planted in when everybody else is doing good? There are people that have way less educational opportunities than you, and they're running businesses. There are people that were were molested and treated horribly as kids, but they have a successful marriage. There are people that that, uh, have had way less opportunity than you, but they're doing more than you. So we can't blame it on the environment. And you know what we do a lot of times is we uproot too quickly. We pull ourselves up out of the very ground that God has placed us in that is designed to help us bring a harvest. But when we don't see the harvest, we don't go to the root. We just say, it must, it must be this job. It must be this marriage. This marriage is just keeping me down. I've got so much purpose. If I, I could be doing so much more if I was in a different environment. I could be doing so much better if I was in different soil. I, I, my, my life would look so different if I just had different friendships. It must be my friendships. No, it's because you keep leeching off of them and they're finally saying, we're not going to do this anymore. It's not the environment. It's not the environment. Look around you. There's people that are producing. Look around you. There are people that are growing. Look around you. There are people that are are producing what the master planted in them. It's time to take responsibility. It's time to start digging around the tree. It's time to start digging some stuff. I know it's dirty. I know it's painful. I know it's not where people want to go, but I'm telling you today that it's time to start digging and fertilizing. It's time to start allowing all the junk in our lives to finally say, you know what, God, you are working it out for your good. You're working it out for your purpose. They may not see my potential. They may not see the 
harvest on the outside. But when they look at me a year from now, I'm going to have taken care of the stuff where no one sees so I can produce what everybody sees. I am going to work on the stuff on the inside so I can produce a harvest on the outside. I'm going to quit taking up space and I'm going to start taking ground for the kingdom of God. I'm going to quit just being idle in this position, in this season right now, but I'm going to find ways to serve, to give, to give back to the environment that you've placed me in. You have planted, I will produce a harvest. There's a battle within. Worship team, if you come, there's a struggle within. There are roots that are damaged. There are roots that have not taken to the soil. There are things that we've rejected and pushed off. And rather than seeing how God could use them for his glory, we, we, we resist it and we put up walls and it keeps us from pursuing the purpose that God has for our lives. We've got to be people of purpose. And people with purpose don't have, I've arrived And people with purpose don't say it's everybody else's fault but mine. And people with purpose don't 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 give expecting something in return. People with purpose recognize that there's a great investment inside of me. And not only that, but but guys, God has invested you in something else. Can can we ever get our eyes big enough and get our minds big enough and wrap our thinking around the fact that maybe it's not just about what God has put in me, but maybe it's about what I have been placed within. And rather than taking from the soil, I need to be giving back to it. Rather than taking wondering why no one walks in love with me, maybe I'll start walking in love with people that don't even deserve it. Rather than waiting for everyone to ask uh, uh, for forgiveness and apologizing for how they've wronged me, maybe I will start apologizing and initiating that myself. Maybe we'll quit blaming the environments that God has placed us in and we'll start saying, this tragedy, this struggle, this trial, it's only going to make me stronger. It's only going to make me better. Dig your heels in the ground. Dig yourself. Plant yourself. Root yourself. People that are rooted are not easily moved. Let your roots go down so that when the storms and the trials do come, your tree is fixed in the soil. When your roots don't go down, you're easily moved. Easily affected. Most of us live on the line, on the border, on the edge of just blowing it. We're one one mean person away from cussing someone out. Come on. Any real people here today? I know you got your Sunday dress on. I know you got the Sunday smile on. But is anybody in this church waiting? You know what? I've been living dangerously close on the edge. And it's not going to take much for someone to knock me over. And I'll prove to them how carnal I really can be. (laughs) That's not where you want to be. You want to identify the line. You want to say, I'm getting as far away from the line as I can. Cuss me out, I'll walk in love. Hate me, I'll respond in the love of God. Let the financial trial come. It's not going to move me. I'm fixed. 
I'm immovable. I'm rooted. I'm planted. You can't take this thing up. You're not going to move me into another field. You're not going to take me out of my assignment. I got too much to give. I got too much to give back. I've got too much to invest in the soil that God's planted me in. That's how we overcome. That's how we overcome the struggles within. That's how we overcome these battles on the inside. Get away from the edge. Take care of the root. Fix yourself. Set your mind on things above. Don't set your mind on Sunday. Could we have enough word in us that when the trial comes, that's what comes back out? Or, or, or do we continually have to live this where the trial comes and now we got to start going? What does the word say about finances? I got to get the word on finances. But you know what his word says about provision. And you know that no weapon formed against you can prosper. Where, where's that verse? Where, oh, where's that? Come on. Let's rise up. Let's know the word so that when life squeezes us, that's all that comes out. When your boss squeezes you, love comes out. When your marriage squeezes you, love comes out. When, 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 when anxiety squeezes you, purpose comes out. When depression tries to squeeze you, joy comes out. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Let's get something in us so that God can get it out of us.